I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer health topics in a smart and sometimes counterintuitive way you won't hear anywhere else. Like, what's the least amount of exercise I can do to get the benefits? Which psychedelics can improve my mental health? And how can I check for cancer if I don't have a family doctor? Top experts help me bring you what you need to know in plain language in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. We've got the latest census data from Statistics Canada. It paints a picture of a nation going gray. Hi, I'm Ian Hennemansing in Vancouver. Welcome to Cross Country Checkup. One in five Canadians among the working age population is currently between age 55 and 64, likely to exit the labor force. Our question, what did you do when you were nudged into retirement? What happened when a co-worker became too old for their job? You get the gray wave of people who still, you know, want to work or able to work. Uh, but now we're squeezed out a little bit just because of we don't have the longevity that they want to see. I posted for a job that I was absolutely perfect for and it went to... A girl in her 20s, and it's frustrating because I know that I would be doing a better job. And this is a perception that the older generation is no good at technology. We only have our gray hair and experience. We seem to be getting and maybe giving mixed messages when it comes to age. 50 is the new 40 or even 35, right? But how do we feel about someone who's still working at 70 or a U.S. president in his 80s? With very few exceptions, there is no mandatory retirement age in Canada, but that doesn't stop employers from discouraging older workers from staying on. And then there's the other side of the issue. What if age is affecting someone's ability to work? Our question, what did you do when you were nudged into retirement? What happened when a co-worker became too old for their job? In the last half hour, we'll talk to an employment lawyer about your retirement rights at work. If you're starting to get that nudge, how do you advocate for yourself? We'll get that advice in a few minutes. I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver. On CBC Radio 1, this is Checkup in 60, the podcast. Highlights from Cross Country Checkup's live broadcast from April 30th, 2023. And we're going to get to calls in a moment, but uh, we want to turn now to a human resources expert. She'll be with us for the first 90 minutes to comment on your calls and provide a little bit of context. Jillian Leithman has a company, Rewire to Retire. She works with employees who are planning their retirement. She also works with employers on how to retain workers. And she's an assistant professor at Concordia University, where she teaches leadership development. And she is in Montreal this afternoon. Hi. Hi. You've heard these terms, gray wave, silver tsunami, often uh, used to describe uh, what we're told is a large segment of the population that uh, is about to retire. Uh, We've heard about this uh, for some time. Where are we right now in Canada uh, in terms of that wave? Well, uh, COVID accelerated it a little bit. I think COVID um, brought to the forefront this issue of retirements that we knew was pending, but uh, a lot of people chose to exit before before many employers were ready. So we're facing a labor shortage right now. And in terms of that labor shortage, are we seeing some workers sticking around maybe beyond the age they might normally because, you know, they realize that their employer needs people to do jobs? Well, you know, what we're seeing is that I think the discourse is changing a little bit and people are questioning whether or not um, 
they should stay past the age of 65. I mean, why would you really leave if you like your job and if you're good at doing it? So I think right now people are questioning it more than they ever did before, where it was an assumption that you would leave at the age of 65, where now not necessarily. And, you know, Jillian, uh, you mentioned 65. That's the number I keep hearing from people, 65, right? And and what is it about the association in our minds in Canada between 65 and retirement? Why do we do that? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's it's not reflective of today's current realities. So it was chosen at a time where, you know, the government did not, people didn't live that long. So the government did not have to pay out so much money. People, when, when 65 was chosen, it was, uh, I believe it went into effect in 1965. And life expectancy was 72. So, wow. and that was average life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So we didn't necessarily think people would be working Living, living, I should say, um, much past the age of 65. And I think a lot of people maybe then were happy to uh, be finished with their job at 65 when uh, certainly in, like, I'm in my 60s. And when I look around at friends of mine who are also uh, around that age, I feel that they're, they're just different expectations, I think, from what we saw a generation before in terms of how we live our lives, both in terms of our working life and our, our non-working life. We're speaking to Jillian Leithman. Uh, She's a founder of Rewire to Retire and assistant professor at Concordia University. And our question today, what did you do when you were being nudged into retirement. What happens when a coworker becomes too old for their job? You can call us at 1-888-416-8333. Jillian, sometimes we hear people say that older employees should step aside to make room for younger people who are not getting the opportunities that they should get. When you hear that comment, uh, what do you think? I don't know how valid that comment is. I mean, if it's really, if it's, if, if somebody really feels that way, then I would say um, there's a lot of opportunity for younger people in, in the workforce. And I would say, you know, then you might want to look around elsewhere. Perhaps there is promotion, op- promotional opportunities elsewhere within the market, if not in your current workplace. But I'm not so sure that's as large a problem as we think it is. Now, here is kind of a, a challenge, I think, for, well, for the workforce, you know, both the, the employers and the employees, and I'm sure you deal with this all the time. You know, when they're in situations where there have been mandatory retirement ages, it's simple, right? Like you got to go because this is the number that you've hit. If you don't have that number now, and for the most part, we don't have mandatory retirement in Canada with very few, you know, very specific exceptions, um, then what happens when somebody starts getting too old for the job. How, how should that be managed? Well, well, well I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge that question and ask you, what does that mean when somebody's mm-hmm. too old for the job? Yeah, well, no, and, and exactly. So, I mean, I'm asking it as a hypothetical, but let me, I, I guess I think of two things. One is the physical ability to do things that are required for the job. And then we think of some very obvious things like a police officer uh, and all of a sudden they have to be able to, you know, run and, 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 and deal with an emergency. But, but even other jobs, you know, as a, a reporter in news, there's certain physical requirements for that. Uh, so, so there's that part of it. But I think also there's the cognitive part of it, right? So um, if if you're 75 or 80 or 85, that's why the President Biden's decision to run again is so fascinating. Um, 
is, is there, like, again, in the old days, it might have been easy just to say, hey, I, I don't have to assess uh, an older worker because they're going to hit that mandatory retirement age. What happens if you have a 78-year-old worker who cognitively seems to be slowing down but isn't willing to retire? How, how ought that be, how should that be managed by, by, the, by the company? So I think that if, if we really, you know, take a step back, and I think if we, if we, sorry, my lights went off in this office. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, if we assess, you know, how, how did we assess people prior to the age of 75 or 80, mm-hmm. right? It's employees are usually assessed on ability and performance. Why would that change at 80 or 70? Yep. Right. So if there's really no change in somebody's ability, then why are we retiring them or why are we um, why are we you know, pushing them out? And if there is a change, I guess my question is, well, what did you do with the 60 year old? What did you do with the 30 year old? Is it really all that different? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the reality is, is that. Companies, I think, have a hard time sometimes dealing with the 30-year-old and the 50-year-old. Um, and so this just makes it easier for them to deal with the 75-year-old. But easy is not an excuse for kind of abdicating responsibilities, right, in terms of management. And and one of the things I appreciate about having you as a guest, and you will be with us for this portion of the program, you know, as we talk about this topic, is that you actually deal with both employees and employers. So you can give us some, this is more than just kind of an academic view. So uh, I look forward to that. Jillian Leithman is a founder of Rewire to Retire and an assistant professor at Concordia University where she teaches leadership development. Coming up in a few minutes here on Cross Country Checkup, I'm going to talk to an employment lawyer about your retirement rights at work and how to advocate for yourself. And in the meantime, of course, we would love to hear from you. I can see on the computer in front of me as the calls are, are flowing in. Uh, whether you're an employer or, or an employee, whether you're nearing retirement or maybe you're one of those younger people who who's looking at the older worker and thinking, hey man, get out of the way. I, I, I want to get the, I want to get that job. Our questions today: What did you do when you were nudged into retirement? What happens when a coworker becomes too old for their job? On social media, we got an email from John McLeod. He's in Halifax after I was pushed out of the federal civil service at the age of 56 in 2006. I kicked around with various things. Then I joined a concert band for seniors. Yesterday, I played my trombone with more than 100 friends to a standing room only audience at Halifax Central Library's main stage. Maureen uh, Pennick uh, just sent us a tweet just a few moments ago. She says, very timely topic for me. I became eligible for retirement in January, 30 years with Parks Canada, but still haven't made up my mind on exactly when to exit. Tim Garish and Oliver BC emailed us. I recently retired at 73 after 44 years flying air tankers fighting forest mm-hmm. fires. Pilots have to do a medical examination every six months after 40, along with an annual competency flight test. Now with a shortage of workers in many industries, 70, not 65, is a more realistic retirement age. That's fascinating. Uh, let's go to the phones now. And Claude Mathieu is calling us from Ottawa. Hi, Claude. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a big admirer of yours, so I'm glad to speak to you. Yeah, well, I'm very happy that you called, but thanks for the compliment. What's your work situation? In fact, I'm a bit of the opposite where I'm 60 years old. Mm -hmm. I sold my company that I've had for the last 10 years when I was 57. I wasn't fully ready to retire. I really wanted to get back into uh, the workforce, and uh, I... 
in a sense, I, I sort of knew that I was older, and uh, and I know how tough it is because I was younger once, and when I was working at Nortel, I used to hire people, and uh, strangely, the bias is coming back to haunt me because I remember when I interviewed some older folks, I did have a bias, and mm-hmm. uh, and I knew that it was going to be awkward to work with someone that was much older than me or the rest of the team. And uh, but what surprised me, Ian, is the fact that we have a supposedly a uh, very very shortage of employees or qualified employees, and I never thought in a million years that it would be so difficult um, to actually get back into the market. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I do look for a jobs uh, or for employment, I always do a lot of research. I look at the company, I look at who the team is. And uh, obviously, I'd say that 90% of the time, they're always younger than I am. And so <laughs> it's funny, but I always sort of back in my mind, I went, oh, boy, um, <laughs> you know, the chances are going to be very tough. And in the three years, I've only had uh, one formal interview. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer. I've worked at Nortel for a good, uh, almost 20 years at different mm-hmm. uh, positions and whatnot. So in a sense, I'm, I would probably consider myself above average in qualifications. And, uh, and the strange thing is, is I'm, I'm applying for jobs where they, they require an entrepreneurial spirit and mm-hmm. entrepreneurial uh, experience and whatnot, which is relatively rare. And so I've have 10 years of that. And still, um, to my surprise, I can't get anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Claude, I, I appreciate not only that you've called, but also your candor. So I asked this question, not, not as a challenge, but just to get some insight. You were honest enough to say when you were younger, maybe when you were at Nortel and you were hiring people and, uh, and you saw uh, an older applicant, you were thinking, well, this is going to be, I forget the exact word you used, but something like, you know, this would be awkward. Um, yes. Why? What, 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 what concerned you about having an employee that was much older than you? It's it's very similar to uh, the family dynamics that you have towards your your uncles or your aunts, and when you're younger, you you have this this sort of uh, pre- prejudice in a sense against age, and I'm not sure if it's innate or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So um, when you're in a group or when you work with uh, with employees, and and you're uh, there's a certain dynamic that you've created or that you're used to. And a lot of it, if you're, I wouldn't say lucky, but if you're in an environment where the age difference isn't that great, maybe plus or minus 10 years at the most, um, then you're you, you confront someone who's much older, um, your your immediate thoughts are, oh, I'm not sure if that's going to work. Will mm-hmm. people gel in, the, in with this in a group? And so, and especially in the position, Dean, where you do tend to work together, where there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, conversations and, 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 uh, and whatnot. So, I think that that's, um, that's one of the, I believe, one of the well, prejudice that people might have. Okay, and so now you look at it from the perspective of being 60 years old. So let me finish with this because i got so many people who are calling in, but I'm kind of curious. And in terms of the, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's a big question, but what would the short answer to this be, Claude? In terms of the pluses and minuses you potentially bring to an employer as you look for a job at 60 that maybe were different than when you were 40, what do you think those would be the pluses and minuses? 
I, I think the big plus is uh, bar none the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if I look back at myself when I was younger, I certainly had tons of confidence, and uh, uh, there's nothing that could stop me. And I think that I still feel the same way. I still have the same 30-year-old mind, except that, oh boy, do I know a lot more now about almost everything, mm-hmm. you know, where uh, across the board. The disadvantage is, yes, the, the, um, even working, uh, finding myself working now beside a, let's say, a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old, of course there are going to be uh, generational gaps. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, that's the nature of people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can see how that could be a detriment to a team. I can certainly understand that. Boy, you are so insightful and uh, so candid. I mean, when you mentioned that last part, I think that anytime there's a, a, a demographic difference between two employees, there potentially are gaps. It could be ethnicity, it could be religion, it could be age. And, you know, for the most part, maybe with the exception of age, we've learned to uh, to accept those differences as uh, not being a negative and maybe being a positive. But I love the fact that you can look at this from the perspective of having been the young person hiring potentially the old person yeah. and now the older person looking for a job. Claude, thank you so much for calling. You're quite welcome. This is Cross Country Checkup. What did you do when you were nudged into retirement? What happened when a co-worker became too old for their job? Those are the specific questions we have, but more generally, we're talking about the idea of aging and working and whether there is a point at which uh, people should retire. Uh, is it based on how they're doing on the job? Should it be based on a on an age as opposed to uh, their performance? Uh, we're just curious to, to hear how you feel about that. And uh, Jillian Leithman is going to be with us. Uh, we heard from her briefly at the beginning of the show. I'm going to go back, Jillian, to you in just a couple of minutes to kind of comment on what we've heard to this point. But let me, before I do that, get to a couple of more uh, callers. Uh, Zahir Darcy is in Mississauga. Hi, Zahir. Hello. Yes. How, are you? How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, you're welcome. Tell me about your work situation. Yeah. So about uh, eight years ago now, 2015, I was in the Federal Public Service. I finished almost 30-plus years of service. Uh, I joined the government uh, after finishing university, and I did my uh, accounting designation with them. I got Mm -hmm. my CGA. And 30 years later, when I was uh, turning 60, I got the vibe that uh, I was eligible for a pension, and it was time to rethink what I was going to do. So, so tell me about that, because I, I think that that's, that's uh, going to be an interesting theme throughout this program. You got the vibe right. that they, they wanted you to maybe take that pension and leave. So, so in, exactly. what way, in what way did, did, you get, did you get that sense? So you could sense that the work assignments were going to change. They were scrutinizing your work more. Uh, they were making you feel like, you know, you went up to the job and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I said, forget this now. I'm packing it in. And when somebody asked me, what are you going to do now? I said, look, 60 is the new 40. I'm going to turn 60 into the new 20. <laughs> I'm going back to school, mm-hmm. at university again, wow. to do what I should have done in the first place. So I decided to go back to university and read my favorite subject, which was history. Hmm. So I've been at it for the last uh, eight years now. I did my undergrad degree in history at York University, and I got into the master's program, and I'm on the verge of finishing my master's degree. So that was my route of uh, uh, going into retirement, uh, going to do something totally different. 
Like, you know, when you read about retirement, what should you do? One of the things they advise you is going to do something totally different. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go back to school. And, 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 when you get, things, and when you get your master's degree, uh, Zaheer, what's going to be next after that? After that, maybe another degree in some other discipline. Huh. <laughs> but continuous education, I think that's a common uh, theme all along. Maybe your consultant will also mention that. Hmm. So there's all kinds of things one can do with one's life after work. And that's the route I'm pursuing. One last thing. Do you, do you, sure. do you have a, a desire at all to, to get back to work? Not necessarily what you did before, but maybe another job? Uh, not a job, but something volunteering-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm with the city of Mississauga volunteering on some of their committees. Mm-hmm. I'm with the provincial government uh, uh, volunteering on some of their uh, committees. Mm-hmm. So that's enough to keep me occupied. And other things in life, uh, life goes on. Like, you know, you still have to run your house. You have to continue doing things that you did uh, uh, before retirement. Like, you know, your work week was compressed into the weekend or your, all your chores were compressed into the weekend. Yep. Now you can do them during the week. And the weekend is really the real weekend. You can put your feet up and relax. See here. Thank you very much for putting no your problem. feet up and relaxing this weekend, but still calling cross-country checkup. I appreciate no it. No problem. Thanks for taking my call. John Houston is uh, calling from Ottawa. Hi, John. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Very well. So I'm looking at your uh, write-up on here, and there's two parts of this whole issue. And that is to do with uh, when you considered being nudged out of a job, Mm -hmm. and then when's too old to go. So let's deal with this on two sides. Okay. One time I worked for the federal government, and back in in the mid-2000s, excuse me, they had a plan together to start reducing the amount of employees in the department. And so packages were being put together, and uh, they were soon to be mailed out. And I was a lower manager with people working for me, but in this small shop. Anywho, one day, knowing that the packages were coming out quite soon, I happened to be walking through the cafeteria, and there was a person who was head of HR for our shop, and then um, or for this bigger organization and an assistant and they said hi how are you have you got your package yet and I said oh I didn't expect one oh no you'll be getting one and I said oh is that right yeah and uh, so is it something I should look forward to and they said well you know seriously you should consider taking it I said why is that well you know really in the big scheme I don't think you have anything to offer us anymore wow I said oh is that right well that's good to know Well, needless to say, I knew what was going on because you could read the uh, writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. Bad managers trying to protect friends, not really worrying about really who's getting the work done, but kind of keeping a place where the yes men or the yes the yes people were being made them happy and they could move on without any big worries. Mm -hmm. And trust me, from then on, I started to ask a lot of questions. By the way, I didn't take the package. And I outlasted most of them. And so, are the you, other side are you, that I want okay. to answer your second part is: yeah. when is it too old to go, and what's the worry? Mm-hmm. What really bothers me, and did for a long time, even though I've been retired for thirteen years, is how many people get to that magic age. Now, let's use the number six five. Mm-hmm. But at that time, when they they know they could be pushed out or they maybe physically have to go because they've had some health issues, but they're retiring with a mortgage. 
or big loans because they're still paying off university uh, loans for their kids that try to get them through university. Mm -hmm. We were lucky when I was married at the time, both of my kids decided that they wanted to pay for university. So that was never a draw on us. Mm -hmm. So when it was time to retire, we retired. But the context is so many people, and I knew them then, and I still know them now, are leaving because of a problem, and they end up with this issue that they owe a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And now they're really stuck. And that affects their work, you know, everything about it before they leave. And I really feel bad for them. Yeah. All right, John. And then the final comment is, now sure. that we've watched a strike in Ottawa go on, mm-hmm. and people will say, you know, you work for the federal government, so you've got a great pension or whatever. But a lot of people that I know for the federal government, and the vast majority, vast majority, don't have that large a salary. And the latest numbers that I've read from the Association of Retirees, that the, fed, the average federal retirees full pension in the national capital region is somewhere around 36,000 a year hmm. not 65 not 85 not 100 about 36,000 so if those people have got to retirement age and that means they're only going to have a pension at around 22 or 3,000 and they still have a mortgage or loans for university for their kids they're in real trouble yeah all right, John, thank you very much uh, for calling us. This is Cross Country Checkup. I'm Ian Hanna-Mansing in Vancouver. What did you do when you were nudged into retirement? What happened when a co-worker became too old for their job? Those are the issues that we're hoping to hear from you about. Our phone number is one 416 And let me give you our text number as well. Relatively new on the program. A lot of people uh, prefer to send a text rather than uh, call us uh, on the phone. So our text number is this, 226 226- 758-8924, 226-758-8924. And if you've been listening or watching the program uh, for the last 30 minutes, you know that Jillian Leithman is uh, with us. She is the founder of Rewire to Retire and an assistant professor at Concordia University. And Jillian, let me bring you in again. And, and to begin, I, I don't have a specific question, but just as you were listening to some of the callers, is there any issue that uh, that, that you heard that you'd like to speak about? There's many issues <laughs> I'd like to speak about. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the last caller, John, has had a really interesting point about um, packages. And I think that's something that you really, people really need to think through because what I have seen in my work is that sometimes you'll crunch the numbers and financially it makes sense to to take the package, but what people fail to consider are the issues that your other callers were speaking to, right? Is um, if you, maybe you're leaving one job and you want to get another job, it's, it's ageism, unfortunately, is alive and well in this country. And it's a really hard thing to do to go, once you leave, it's really hard to get back into the workforce. So Mm -hmm. I think people also don't realize that this issue of packages and, and retirement is not just synonymous with finances. You know, there's a whole life that you really need to think about. Like, how are you going to spend your time and what are you going to do? And for many, um, for many, they still have to work for financial reasons. 
You know, Jillian, years ago, I heard somebody talking on the radio. It's just one of those moments, and hopefully we'll create some of those moments as well this afternoon. But it's one of those moments that has, that has just kind of stuck in my brain for a long time. And it was a it was a woman talking about retirement, and she was saying that she dealt with a lot of executives who had worked really, really hard and were getting to the point where they were going to get the golden parachute, so lots of money to retire, and they would tell her how they couldn't wait to go golfing every day. And then she talked to some of them a month or two or three months later, and and often they would tell her a couple of things. First of all, after a couple of months, golfing every day is not as great as they thought it was going to be. But the other thing, this is the one that I thought was really interesting, is that they say nobody's coming to them anymore to solve problems, to get a project done by deadline. The kinds of things that in the middle of all the stress, they they thought they were all sick and tired of. But then later on, they had all this expertise and nobody was tapping into that. And, and I kind of see you nodding your head. I, I assume that you've had these experiences as well talking to people. It's very, it's very prevalent. So if you like your job, if you're good at what you do, if you have a lot of experience, then, you know, I do hope, Ian, that we create some moments today because <laughs> what I'd like people to do and to think about is why are you retiring and are you doing it because unfortunately 65 has been ingrained, culturally ingrained in our minds as, mm-hmm. some, as a reason we should exit but it's not it's no longer reflective of our lifespans it's no longer reflective of our for most of us obviously it's an, an individual basis but on the whole you know 65 is really young and in terms of cognitive abilities you know most, most people still can perform their jobs many are at the height of their game so i think it's true you know there are definitely stressors uh, every job has them but I think what people don't recognize is that life is very stressful when you have no responsibilities and you have no obligations. People don't really, it's, that's what they, it's, it's, it's something that it's a misconception that life, you know, golfing, let's say golfing every day for three months, that this is what my life is going to be. And it's going to be fantastic. Well, it was fantastic because you probably had a job to go back to after (laughs) the two weeks of golfing you did. Mm -hmm. Right. And does one, you know, you, it's very few people that I meet that will say that that works for me. I want to golf, you know, every day, all day. So it's just, you need most of us and I will qualify it with most of us. Most of us need a lot more than that. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, when I was doing the research for this program and I saw the notes of uh, the interview, one of our producers did with you, um, I, I, it was all really interesting, but I also thought, oh, I wonder if Jillian is somebody like me in their sixties. And so she's looking at this from the perspective of someone who's kind of trying to protect their situation in a job. Um, how do I say this without being awkward? I can see you on CBC News Network. You're nowhere near that age. So you're looking at this, you know, as somebody who is kind of analyzing it from a professional and an academic standpoint as opposed to, to a personal one. And I'm curious, when you deal with companies and you have uh, some big companies, as I understand it, as clients, how hard is it for you to, is I don't know, if you convince them or guide them or consult with them that some of their older employees are actually valuable to them? How much is it hurting you to lose people right now, right? And how much do you want to grow? And where are you going to find those people? So I think companies need to be think through this a lot more than they initially do, because it is definitely, you're right, it's, it's they need convincing. You have to make the business case as to why should I retain my older workers? 
you know, and, and there's good reason why you should retain your older workers. And I think there was a number of people, you know, who called in that indicated why that's the case. Mm-hmm. Expertise and experience. I mean, these are two hallmarks of performance and productivity, right? That's what we look for in terms of what people could contribute to the bottom line. So I think we need to change the narrative in this country because it's it's not reflective of people's abilities, but it's 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 not an easy narrative to change. Yeah. Because, and you know, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, you, you certainly would think experience would be something older workers would bring to the table. Another thing I think I'm learning just in my own life and looking around in the newsroom is is just learning about social relationships. Like, I think, you know, I think I'm better at social relationships at work uh, and dealing with all kinds of different personalities than I was 30 years ago, right? And it's because if you've been at the job for that long, if you haven't learned those things, then that's kind of a bad sign. But I think there are all kinds of skills you bring to the table over years that might not be uh, obvious to people. Sure. And that, and that Ian, has been borne out in the research. So we know, you know, when you think about um, older workers, uh, a lot of employers believe that they're too expensive and, you know, they're costly and they're set in their ways and they're, you know, they're, uh, they don't want to learn technology. And those are fallacies. They're all myths. Right. And 30 years of experience working with people, working on teams um, teaches you, hopefully, um, how to become a good communicator and how to become a good negotiator. And so older employees tend to have better emotional intelligence than younger employees. They tend to be more loyal. They don't hop around as much as younger employees do. They tend not to be as absent as much because, you know, their kids have grown up. So, you know, there are many reasons, there's many benefits that older people do bring to to the workplace. Mm-hmm. All right, Jillian, uh, I'm going to talk to you next, I think, probably at, a, at the top of the hour. So keep that in mind. I do have some questions for you, but also uh, you can, once again, just weigh in on, on what you hear over the next uh, little while. Uh, this is Cross Country Checkup. I'm Ian Hanna-Mansing, and our questions are, what did you do when you were nudged into retirement? What happened when a coworker became too old for their job? And let me say, I I would love to hear from somebody in the workforce who's in their 20s or 30s or 40s who has perhaps a different perspective about these issues because of uh, where you are in terms of your age. Like really looking forward to a candid discussion. We we heard some really good candor from Claude, I think it was, our first caller, who talked about what it was like for him as a young person uh, hiring and a little, uh, you know, kind of reluctant to hire an older person. Now he's 60 trying to get a job and uh, that's difficult. Camille Dunbar is an employment lawyer and labor associate at Castle's Law Firm, and we've reached her in Toronto. Hi. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the program. So much to talk about, but but let's, uh, in, in your experience, and you you have, have worked on this uh, as an employment lawyer on both sides, representing employees and now, for the most part, representing employers, um, have you seen an increase in, in the number of, of employees or the number of situations where employees are encouraged to retire? I want to say an increase. It's it's sort of steadily been the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the mandatory retirement that was in place in Ontario back in 2006 when it ended, um, the, the sort of the, the numbers of people that are going out based on age hasn't changed. It's just that the employers are now required to, to go about it a different way. Um, so it's, it's about the same. Um, it doesn't make it any less discriminatory at this point. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's pretty steady. 
And so what sort of situations uh, are there that, that you've seen where employers are encouraging people, quote unquote, to, to retire? You know, it depends. It's a wide variety of situations. Um, sometimes you find that it's still sort of an arbitrary assumption that once an employee hits, whether it's 60 or 65, um, that they're either past their prime, so to speak, with respect to performing their job, um, or it's just some sort of um, arbitrary uh, deadline in an employer's mind. Um, so they start sort of moving the employee towards retirement, despite the fact that they can't legally do that, at least not without uh, discriminating against the employee. Um, but there are other situations where, for example, an employer might believe that they have a bona fide job requirement. Um, and although the age doesn't necessarily trigger an inability to perform an essential task, they might perceive the employee as not having perhaps the certain amount of whether strength um, or skills or aptitude anymore. Um, so there are only very few and sort of set professions um, where there is an age uh, requirement in terms of a mandatory retirement that's considered a bona fide occupational requirement. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there are a handful. So most employers and employees um, don't have a mandatory retirement age. Um, and like many of the callers had talked about before and the speakers before me, um, some of the older employees have a lot to give. Um, mm -hmm. And a workplace usually benefits from a wide variety of employees, whether it's age, gender, um, backgrounds, and so on. Yeah, and, and even in terms of that sort of bona fide uh, requirement to, let's say, have a certain level of, of physical ability, you know, I'm thinking of, let's say, a construction worker, um, how you test for that, I assume, but I'm looking to hear your perspective as an employment lawyer, but how you test for that is not necessarily a simple thing, right? Like, you know, do you do you say you have to be able to carry a, a, a 20 kilogram um, bag of sand up a ladder or, you know, how, the, the way you, you set up those tests um, may not really accurate, accurately reflect what you actually need to do that job, I assume. Absolutely. So the testing itself might be discriminatory in the sense that the employee can do, for example, carrying that 25 pound bag of sand, um, they can do it, they might not be able to do it in a particular way. But with respect to carrying out their job functions or essential tasks, they can. So setting up the test to test for these bona fide occupational requirements and whether or not an employee can meet it is one thing. Um, in addition to that, the other concern can also be, um, is there an accommodation perhaps at play where as an employee gets older um, and their either physical abilities change or the way they can move their body changes, is there an accommodation that the employer can make to ensure that the employee is able to continue to perform their job um, in a way that the employee still has a sense of dignity um, and self-respect. So the ability is one thing, testing for it is another, um, and the employer's obligation to accommodate if the employee is older and has certain, whether it's physical restrictions or needs to do their job in a different way, there are definitely ways that an employer can work around certain situations um, that don't lead to a discrimination claim as well. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer health topics in a smart and sometimes counterintuitive way you won't hear anywhere else. Like, what's the least amount of exercise I can do to get the benefits? Which psychedelics can improve my mental health? And how can I check for cancer if I don't have a family doctor? Top experts help me bring you what you need to know in plain language in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. In this hypothetical situation I'm about to tell you, you have an employee who wants to continue to work and they are doing their job. Uh, everybody acknowledges they're, they're doing their job properly. But, uh, but the employee, the employer is kind of dis 
encouraging them to leave. Like we heard one of our callers already talk about how packages were being offered at, at his uh, work and uh, and an HR person said to him in a cafeteria, hey, are you, you taking the package? You probably should take the package. What's your advice to on both sides for both employers and employees, how to conduct themselves in that situation where the company would like that person to leave, but the person doesn't want to leave. So on the employee side, um, and, and to be quite quite frank, on the employee side, there's just so many more elements to be considered as well. Um, from the employee side, the first thing to know is, again, there is no mandatory retirement age. So at no point in time, again, generally speaking, for mm-hmm. most professionals. So from the employee side, they have to keep in mind that what they want to do and when they want to retire, that's paramount. Um, they're always welcome, of course, to consider retiring, whether it's with a voluntary retirement package or retiring on their own. Um, so they're in the driver's seat. So making sure that they feel empowered to make that decision as to when to exit the workforce is important. Um, in addition to that, if it starts to get into conversations about um, you should retire and an employer encouraging or starting to move from gentle encouragement into pressure to retire, uh, not only can that transition from um, an employment relationship that, that's working well, it can start to become toxic. It can start to become a harassing workplace. Um, And depending on how much pressure the employer is applying to the employee to retire, the employee might get to a point where they feel like they can't continue to work in that environment anymore. And their employment has essentially ended as far as their normal terms are, um, and what we would consider an employment law to be a constructive dismissal. So even though they haven't chosen to retire or the employer hasn't fired them because of their age, it might get to the point where they have to step out of the workforce and potentially bring claims for discrimination, potentially bad faith in terms of the way the employer went about forcing them out of their job, and other types of punitive and general damages. For the... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go, yeah. ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, please, Ian, go ahead. Um, well, I was just going to say, you know, practically speaking, I'm sure some people are listening to this and thinking, man, like to to get to that point and then to hire lawyers are expensive. I don't have to tell you that, Camille. Um, for for <laughs> an for an employee, practically speaking, like, will they be able to like? What do they do? Do they hire a lawyer, or how do they conduct themselves? Well, uh, you can hire a lawyer, of course, you're right, they are expensive, um, but lawyers work on different sorts of fee arrangements. So there are some lawyers who will work um, essentially without getting paid until the case is resolved, hopefully successfully. Uh, So there are sort of contingency fee arrangements where an employee can reach out to a lawyer and have their case uh, considered by the lawyer, the lawyer take it on, and they don't charge any fees until the case is resolved. So there isn't any upfront money or money paid throughout the course of the case um, before it's resolved. There are other options, of course. They can hire someone on an hourly basis or a flat fee basis. Uh, so there are ways for them to do it, but they can also go about it themselves. So it's it's not advisable um, and it's not always easy, but it, it's definitely possible. So for an employee who either can't afford it or chooses to go at it them, themselves, and I mean, perhaps they have uh, some extra time now that they've been perhaps unfortunately forced out of their employment. If they decide to actually retire and don't go into another sort of second employment after the forced retirement, they might choose to pick it up themselves Mm -hmm. um, because they feel so passionately about what's been done to them uh, on a personal level, uh, sometimes after many years of service. So if they do decide to go um, at it themselves, they certainly can. Um, And perhaps what they could do is consult with a lawyer sort of at certain steps, certain major milestones Mm -hmm. and get some guidance along the way. So there are ways to structure it to get the legal advice you need without um, having to work out too, too much if you're not able. 
Camille, let's finish with this and maybe an answer in about 30 or 40 seconds if you can. Um, and that is just generally, what advice do you have for people who, when they're, as I say, both on the employer and the employee side, but dealing with this issue of older workers who want to continue their job, um, even past the ages that, that historically uh, we didn't see people, you know, stay in the workforce? What's your general advice? General advice. I'll start with the employers. Um, keep in mind that terminating someone, whether in part or in whole, based on their age, is discriminatory in Ontario and across Canada, generally speaking. Uh, so it's not a good idea. Um, if you do want to have uh, conversations about having an employee exit the workforce that is of a certain age, um, speak to a lawyer. They can definitely guide you through um, navigating what could be a potentially expensive discrimination claim, um, but it's also bad press for an employer. Uh, no employer wants to be named as someone who is discriminating against its older employees who have so much to offer. Um, for employees, what I would say is keep in mind, again, like I said, you don't have to retire. You're in the driver's seat. Um, and if at any point in time during the exiting relationship or the wrap up to your employment, you feel as though your age played a role in your employer's decision to either put you in a particular direction or putting undue pressure on you, reach out to a lawyer and speak to somebody about your rights because there are a number of things that you can do, including mm -hmm. seeking reinstatement. I so love there's always I, I'm sorry to jump in, but we're about to uh, sign off on CBC News Network. You are terrific. You know your file. You're able to see it from various points of view. And Camille, I really appreciate that. Anytime, Ian. Thank you. Have a good night. Camille Dunbar, an employment lawyer and labor associate at Castle's Law Firm, and we've reached her in Toronto for the next 30 minutes. Our questions are about retirement. What did you do when you were nudged into retirement at your workplace? Or on the other hand, what happens when a coworker becomes too old for their job? You can use those same numbers that I mentioned for the AMA to talk about that. And uh, let's go to the phones because we've had lots of really interesting calls so far on this. Catherine McInnes is uh, here in Vancouver. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Ian. And uh, first of all, compliment to you, uh and your skills, um, don't retire anytime soon, okay? Well, that is very <laughs> nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Ian, either you or the callers have expressed um, a lot of what I have on my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, just really briefly, my situation, I retired last year. Um, I was almost 65, but that wasn't the impetus. Um, really, <laughs> the quote-unquote, the fun and the excitement and the satisfaction had gone out of my job. Mm -hmm. And um, I stopped counting the number of years that um, I have of experience at 35, because saying that it's 43 makes me sound really, really old. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but anyhow, my, my point is this. Um, some of it probably was brought about during the time of COVID. But um, in my organization, um, I, and, and it's, anyhow, I'm, I'm not even going to go close to identifying it. Um, and from what I've heard from other colleagues, it doesn't matter whether it's public sector or private sector. Um, there is so much of a push for autom automation these days mm -hmm. um, that those of us who do have years of experience, but on the other hand, are not happy when we're forced to just push paper out the door, um, we end up pushing ourselves out the door. Hmm. And with us goes all those years of experience. And 
and anything I say, because now my name is out there, <laughs> someone in my organization may hear, but that's fine, because I did make these same statements. And primarily they are that, A, I don't think there's adequate succession planning. In fact, mm-hmm. most organizations, there's none. And uh, because those of us with the experience, um, we'd love to kind of bring on the next employee and give that person a an opportunity. Mm-hmm. That may involve um, job sharing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have been happy to cut back my hours for sure and let someone else be hired at that differential in my pay. Um, and and then secondly, the, the automation, um, it's, it's lauded as being automation, but from my experience, it is all that it's doing is um, taking away the personal interface. Um, in my job, that should be very important. It was the customer relations part of it, mm-hmm. um, and you don't you don't um, you don't become good at that overnight. So, so the automation, um, Catherine, the automation in your job then, so customer service, it, it was, is it the, the, the dreaded phone tree that instead of picking up a phone and talking to you, somebody who's calling your company ended up going through a phone tree? Is that the automation you're talking about? Oh, hell no. Okay. <laughs> it, All was, right. it was about, um, um, uh, I'm in the real estate field, the corporate real estate field. Oh, I see. And, okay. And so it's, um, it's recording transactions. And, you know, they're very detailed and, mm-hmm. and it's very important to record because it's legally contractual and all that kind of good stuff. But, um, you know, I don't need to be paid salary I am with my 43 years of experience to uh, translate the, the deal that I've made mm-hmm. uh, and put it into the database. And that's what was happening. And so um, and the expectation of just the volume of that paper went up and up and up and up. And uh, frankly, it, 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 was, it caused me a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person who's easily stressed. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I left. And um, I met with a colleague just recently, same situation. And uh, and I know we're not alone. Uh, some of your callers, I think, alluded yeah. to that as well. So it's, it's very sad because I think um, we are losing a lot of the knowledge that's in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and forget, as one of your callers said, forget about it if you're trying to get into the workplace yep. as a, an over 50 person, right? Yeah, um, and and yet there's we're we're missing the opportunity for some great training of okay. new people who want to come on board. So yeah, that's kind of about it. Sage advice, not surprisingly, Catherine. Uh, given your life experience, I really appreciate that you called us. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you. Bye bye. Let's look at some of the uh, reaction we're getting uh, by other means than the telephone. Uh, Mella Brown in Burnaby, British Columbia, texting us. It's not about age. It's about cognitive capacity, and that depends on a lot more than age. We need to have a more nuanced conversation. Alison Murray emails, I'm 71 and still working part-time at a job that gives me a great deal of intellectual challenge. It's also work that requires many years of experience and is ideal for someone like me who doesn't want or need full-time employment with benefits. I have no intention of stepping aside, mainly because there are few candidates to replace me. Colleen Hamilton uh, sent us a message on Facebook. I think people in their early 60s should be thrilled 
to leave the workforce? Who wants to spend their final years with upper management looking down their noses at you until you're in your grave? That's an interesting perspective we haven't heard. And Gus, and I hope I'm pronouncing your last name properly, Gus Guantanabe, uh, sent me a tweet. I'd like to retire as financially soon as possible. I love my job, but my identity isn't tied to it. Jillian Leithman is uh, with us uh, for the 90 minutes of the program where we're discussing this issue. She's an adjunct professor at Concordia and she has a company, Rewire to Retire. And let's bring Jillian back into uh, the conversation. And as I did the last time you and I connected, Jillian, let me just ask you if, uh, if there's anything that you've heard that you'd like to weigh in on generally. Yeah, Ian, and like the last time, there's so much I want to weigh in on. <laughs> um, you know, to Colleen's uh, to Colleen's point, uh, was Colleen your last caller? Uh, no. Oh, Col- yes. Yeah, Colleen was the person on Facebook. But yeah, to to the uh, but but in terms of the last caller who who talked about automation and uh, she retired voluntarily, but right. wishes that there had been a more of an opportunity for her to pass on her her knowledge and expertise to a younger person. Yeah. And I agree, and I love that, and and I love that she brought it up, and I love that she brought up job sharing, and and um, firstly, I do want to speak to the issue of AI because AI is an issue for everybody. That's whether you're an older worker or a younger worker. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the point that you know that she was speaking to, I would really like to see. I would really like to see people start thinking about this issue in not such black and white terms, you know, and and what if you went to your employer and said, I want to stay on and I want to mentor the next generation of workers and I want a different type of contract with you now. You know, maybe I don't want to work full time. We we know actually most older workers don't want to work full time. Mm-hmm. Um, they just they want the flexibility just as much as the younger generation does, and they really value that. And I would really love for a conversation to happen before we self select out, because I think there's room for discussion about what an, a mature worker brings to the workforce and what they want to contribute before leaving. But unfortunately, I think. Um, a hostile environment or a stressful environment coupled with what we refer to as um, internalized ageism, people start thinking and believing that, you know, I maybe I should leave, you know, it is too difficult for me. So, you know, that those are my comments on that. And to the last, <laughs> to the last point, which I really want to comment on, which mm-hmm. was uh, the Facebook comment, early 60s, um, Somebody in this country, on average, you know, can anticipate living up to 30 years in retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, life expectancy for men is 79. For women, it's 84. So you're not really spending your last years with upper management if you're in your early <laughs> 60s. Yeah. And, and you know, like I'm both my parents who are listening to the show right now uh, retired early and they've been retired for a long, long time. And, and it worked out really well. It is working out really well for them. I, you know, they got to the point in their jobs, I think, where they were ready to retire. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I, I'm older now than they were when they retired. And I, you know, I love my job and I feel very comfortable doing my job and I want to continue doing my job. It's, you know, I guess that's part of it too, right? That, that, that like everything else, it depends on the person and the situation. And, and you must see that with your company, right? 
it is so nuanced and and it's such a nuanced issue. So I say don't bench your retirement plans or, you know, to your spouse, to your neighbor, to your colleague, to your to your boss, to your best friend. It is so incredibly personal. Do you love what you do? Do you like your colleagues? Is it, you know, um, or are you stressed? Do you hate the commute? You know, it's it's retirement is a really, some people said, I think you're the last person that texted in, you know, uh, work is not my identity. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, so for people who, who work is not their identity, for whom work is not their identity, they fare much better. Mm-hmm. For those of us that are have a really strong, identify strongly with what we do, they struggle a lot more. Yeah. So it's nuanced. It's it's not it's it's not we can't make these blanket statements across the board. Yeah, you know, I I, I was talking to somebody yesterday who um when I asked uh what they do for a living, it, it became clear that that was almost their job was almost in well, it was kind of incidental to who they were. Their their job definitely is what they needed to to uh like as the livelihood, you know, to pay the bills, but in no it it almost was like like it was nine to five. And when, when they weren't within that nine to five period, that's when they really were themselves. Whereas I, and you use the word we, so I guess you feel this way too. Like, you know, my job is very much who I am and I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I often <laughs> say yeah. if I retire, you know, I'm not, I guess I'll end up doing like a podcast that maybe 40 people will listen to, <laughs> but I'll do it anyway, just because I want to continue doing this. Now, one of the things, uh, Jillian, that you mentioned that I, I want to, like you talked about the sort of job sharing uh, for older people or that older people could, you know, maybe cut back, would be happy to cut back on their hours. One of the things I was thinking about is, ironically, I think it's a lot of young people in the workforce who are kind of demanding that, right? Like I hear from some employers that 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 people in their 20s are kind of coming into the workforce saying, hey, I don't want to do the old style of full hours, full job. I want to be able to travel. And, and I, I just wonder, do you see at all uh, a real, ch- like the age issue aside, a real change in terms of employers either being forced to or willing to consider alternate hours and and ways of you know uh, you know people doing their jobs I do and I think it's an interesting time because I think um I think employers are still trying to figure out this whole issue of where we've landed after covid mm-hmm. um smart employers are actually smart employers sorry <laughs> it's a green room again um we try and save energy um smart employers recognize that uh that they're going to have to change right they're going to have to change and and maybe not you know, decide to meet all the demands of their Mm -hmm. younger workers. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're going to have to meet somewhere. And why don't we co-create this next version of what work looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, where maybe you don't get everything you necessarily want um, as an employee, but employers need to be flexible as well, or we are seeing people jump ship, right? They're like, I don't need, I don't need this, or there's other jobs Mm -hmm. available. So if, you know, if you have that younger generation doesn't, that doesn't want to work as much, how beautiful. This is a wonderful opportunity to take an older, mature employee and say, do you want to do this job sharing? Or do you want to counsel, you know, and share your experience on a particular project? Mm-hmm. So well, speaking, I think we... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Finish. I think we need to rethink. I, I really want to stress also that there are some employers that do this beautifully, like there's some employee, if you look at BMW and you, and you think about uh, physical labor, mm-hmm. 
Way back when, in 2007, BMW recognized that their workforce in the plants was getting older, and the average age was 49. And they realized that from a physical perspective, um, this was going to impede productivity. And so what they did was they radically changed their, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, it wasn't radical changes. They, they ergonomically changed their production line so that employees that were older and aging were capable of being just as productive as mm. younger workers. So I think we also, we, and we don't highlight enough the companies that are doing really wonderful things and that are adapting to the times as well, because they do exist. Jillian, uh, we're going to come back to you one last time uh, as we close off this topic in about 15 minutes. So uh, so I look forward to that. Thank you very much. Let's go back to the phone lines here. This is Cross Country Checkup. I'm Ian Hannah Mansing, and we are talking about people getting older at work. At what point should they retire? Uh, how do they feel when they, how do you feel when you've been nudged into retirement? Or maybe you're a younger worker and you've been dealing with people in the workforce who are quite old and you have a perspective on that. Uh, let's go to Melissa now in Toronto. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Ian. How are you? Good. So you were a librarian in your 20s. I am a librarian. Oh, you are? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, tell I, me. But I'm no longer in my 20s. I'm in my 30s now. Okay. Yes. All right. You know what? I'm going to stop describing who you are and let you, <laughs> de- and let you describe your situation. Cool. Thanks. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. When I was in my mid-20s, I, uh, was, uh, I inherited a, a department, I guess, at a, at a post-secondary institution's library in Alberta. So mm-hmm. I, I work in metadata and cataloging. So I inherited their cataloging department. And most of the folks who worked there had been working there since the late 60s. So they were, a lot of them were hired in one wave. They were, they could have been approaching retirement, but a lot of them were not really in that state of mind, which is fine. But um, the issue from a managerial perspective, um, specifically with budgeting, was that these folks were so expensive. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. they cost even more than I did, like twice as much as I did which also was fine because they'd been there forever and they were unionized and that's how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, But this particular job that they had was the people who started their jobs kind of making library catalog cards mm-hmm. out of like cataloging books. Right. I remember those. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, but those, um, those jobs had shifted so much between like 1969 and 2013 or whenever I was there um, that those people who were making catalog cards were now the people who had to kind of use OAI harvesters to pull digital metadata for e-resources off of the internet. And um, like, it was definitely not skills that they had acquired in those kind of years that they had been at the library. Mm-hmm. So the, what we were trying to do was, and not explicitly, none of this was ever explicit, but um, definitely we would try and shift people around as much as possible so that they wouldn't be in these, uh, tech services roles anymore, so like maybe put them on a reference desk or something mm-hmm. um, so that we could hire younger people because it was just too expensive to train the people who were already in those jobs to to do the stuff that the, the thing that the job would become. Mm-hmm. And when they did retire, it was like so nice for the budget. 
Yeah. So, so what do you think? So, so yeah, there. I again, I love the fact that your candor, but also you, you know, the kind of with that the real life uh, example of something that was going on. So, you have a group of people in this library who are very expensive because of the seniority, and yet at the same time are not able, or maybe were slow to adapt to the radically different. Uh, tasks in their job. And then you mentioned that one of the ways of, of trying to deal with that is maybe get them in other jobs in that library that were more suited to their tasks. But as you look at it, then you were in your 20s as a manager. Now you're in your 30s. What do you think the lesson is? Yeah, I think in that case, the I think before I had heard one of the other callers say that like they're that like people who are more mature in their jobs, these people who've been around for a long time, they want to learn, let's let them learn. Mm -hmm. And the issue there wasn't that they didn't want to learn. The issue was that they had to learn it all. So I think that the expectation that, I don't know, what am I trying to say here? Now as a manager, I I know that it's important to continue to reskill people as they get older. So Mm -hmm. somewhere between when they're 25 and when they're 65, Mm -hmm. they have to keep reskilling. And that was something that these folks had been missing over the years, through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I wasn't there for that because I was a literal child. So I think now the lesson that I've taken away is in order to help people who are in their 40s now and their 30s now to not become people who are in their 60s who are instead of being dinosaurs in their 60s or, like, productive humans, mm-hmm. um, the, the thing there is to make sure you're reskilling them at these, this kind of mid-career portion of their lives. Yeah, you know what? I First of all, you said that really well. And secondly, my pause there was just because I was thinking of the implications of that. And, and I know there are examples of what you're talking about in our newsroom, and I'll bet a lot of people who are listening can think of examples in their work as well. And so, you, you know, I kind of came, I had a question for you out of the blue and you answered it really in an interesting way. And that is like kind of, <laughs> like we, we, hear, we, we hear about lifelong learning, but, you know, like we live in a technological age, right, where technology is galloping ahead. And there's going to be technology, Melissa, in your job when you're in your 50s that you probably can't even imagine right now. So for you, just like for those people that you managed uh, 10 years ago, um, you just got to be prepared to keep adapting and keep learning so that, as you say, we don't become dinosaurs as we get older work and to throw out the stuff that's not working like it's hard to know what the future is going to look like so you start you just learn a lot of technology i know that's what i'm doing right now just trying to pick up and learn technology but we had a thing in libraries like probably five or ten years ago maybe more where we all thought second life was going to be a place where we interacted with library patrons Mm -hmm. so we all started learning second life like it was a thing people were ever going to do and they really didn't so we had to ditch it really fast so that we could find the thing that people actually were doing and just like trying to stay like au courant with things is i mean it's a task but it it is what it is absolutely and are you telling me that they don't have those cards uh, anymore that you go through and try to anyway no i'm sure that's not the case can i tell you ian Yes. I found one of those card catalog drawers at an yes. antique store and I store wine in it in my home now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I can picture yeah. that. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right, Melissa, thank you yeah. so much for calling in. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate the chat. 
Uh, keep in mind, our uh, Ask Me Anything is coming up in uh, less than 10 minutes now, and we have a tax expert who will be here, A, to answer important questions for those of you who have ra- waited right until the deadline, which is tomorrow, to file your taxes, but also more generally to talk about issues like the PSAC strike and what impact that might be having on dealing with taxes or what kinds of changes there have been in uh, the, the sort of implications for individuals who are um, filing their tax returns as opposed to past years and whether that, you know, that software you get at the pharmacy or the uh, grocery store is really the best way to go to file your taxes. So that is coming up in a few minutes and you can call now if you would like to ask our tax expert anything, 1-888-416-8333. Before we get there though, let's uh, hear from a couple of other people on our topic of uh, retiring and uh, being forced to retire or uh, wanting to stay with your job beyond the ages that maybe uh, we normally associate with those jobs. Let's go to Ross Say, New Brunswick. Debbie Somerville is uh, calling. She's a a 73-year-old nurse. And uh, Debbie, what's it like to be 73 years old and and still in the nursing profession? Ian, first I want to say, don't you dare retire. You're an expert on what you do, well, and I'll certainly you. listen to your podcast. <laughs> okay, okay, that's 201 people now who will be listening to that podcast. That's great. Well, that's good. Um, being a 73-year-old nurse is not easy, but mm-hmm. I love the profession so much that I you know, want to stick with it. I did retire at 70, and I still work on a casual basis where I do almost part-time. I could do full-time hours because of the shortage of nurses across Canada. I'll bet. And, uh, but um, I have found a lot of the older nurses have been kind of pushed out or eased out. But again, I have to say in, in the nursing profession, you have to be able to perform. And you have to be able to perform cognitively and physically. And, you know, if you can't do that, then you have to be aware that you, you know, you're going to have to get out of the profession, really. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, my perspective is completely different from a lot of people um, because, I'm, there's only three of us older nurses still working at the hospital I work at, and all the rest are really young nurses, like in their 20s and 30s, so I'm you know, twice their age or more. And sometimes they can be a little bit intimidating because, um, and I mean, they're, they're really smart people, but they tend to, to I find, they feel they, they know more than you do. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a little bit intimidating. Like, and they make it known. But that's okay because I'm an old gal and I have tough skin. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's okay with me. But I know that I can, I know at the position I'm in now, I'm not going to be able to physically and mentally uh, perform at this level. And I'm, I know I'm slowing down. So you have to be really aware of your own ability to perform. And if you're not willing to admit that, then you're going to get pushed out the door if you can't perform. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's just um, a fact of life. Well, you sound very self-aware and you're involved in a job that uh, we uh, probably don't respect enough. And we certainly need lots of nurses uh, who are, uh, you sound very caring and very uh, interested in your job, Debbie. So thank you very much for calling. You know, I just want to say one thing. Nurses are expected to perform at their highest peak of ability. And 
it's very technological age now, and it's in the hospitals, and we're just learning a new computer system, and I have to keep up all of that. And every year we have to requalify for all kinds of different things. So it's it's really a challenging job. I'll and bet. with COVID, God bless the nurses in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> On the front lines, you know, and for all of us, you know, it was really difficult. No kidding. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for calling, Debbie. Let's uh, do one more call here on this topic. We've had so many interesting voices. Susan Dundas is in Toronto. Hi, Susan. Hi. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. We only have a couple of minutes. I apologize for that. But um, I I see in the notes here that uh, you retired at 56, um, but, uh, but you feel ageism was absolutely rampant. Tell me about that. Uh, well, I, re- I was in bank. I was in banking for mm-hmm. 32 years and uh, enjoyed it. Uh, no issue with technology or any of any of that. Um, I felt that I was being pushed to retire because I was on a team that was very, very young. And when I looked into alternative roles in the bank, that I, I wanted to stay for at least another four years because then my pension would have been half decent. Um, basically, I got told, you know, like your brand is up. Uh, and trying to move uh, anywhere, even like laterally or even demote yourself mm-hmm. uh, over 50 was almost impossible. Uh, the, the company definitely, did, you know, did a lot of uh, chatter on diversity was a big topic, of course. And mm-hmm. I brought up the point once and I said, well, a diverse team includes people of all ages, not just different backgrounds. And they were taken aback by that yeah. because they didn't have anybody you know, that actually said that. My my boss was great. He was a young guy. You know, he really valued my experience. But basically, um, you know, you, you couldn't go anywhere. Like, yeah. I was the only one in that role that was in my early, in my 50s. So I couldn't do anything else. I had worked my way up. I was there fresh out of university, pretty much. So I just, I put my, you know, I put my life together type of thing. And as much as I could, I live alone in Toronto, which is expensive. And I made it work. So I ended up getting part-time work in retail and like just light jobs. I reinvented myself into, I, I work in golf because I'm a golfer. Um, but that's about all you can do because if, if I try to apply to anything like I used to do, which mm-hmm. is highly skilled and in great demand in banks, um, I just get pushed out by the AI because, of course, the, the application process asks you what year you graduated from university. You can't get away from that question. So they know how old you are. So I kind of gave up on that stream, even though I was only 56. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I, I felt I didn't have a choice that the only work that was going to be open to me was going to be like marginal, low paid kind of customer service type work, which is what I do. And I don't mind. Boy, but not boy. everybody has that option. Yeah. That, you know what? I, I'm so happy that you were able to make that point. I'm sorry I can't give you more time, but I, I do have to um, move on because we have our AMA starting in a moment. But as you point out, diversity is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but I think people don't understand that uh, it includes uh, a lot of different things and diversity in age is certainly one of those. Thank you very much yes. for calling. Thank you. All right, let's go back to Jillian Leithman one last time, an adjunct professor at Concordia, the founder of Rewire to Retire. And uh, last word to you, Jillian. So, Ian, there's so much I want to say. Um, (laughs) I'll keep it short. So I love what Ben had to say. And it's so interesting that your callers are referring to AI and the challenges that they're having. Mm -hmm. And I love what I think we need to take, you know, um, we need to follow Ben's lead. And I would go in with, I would go into these employers, so let them see you, 
um, you know, tell them that you want to work, that you're interested in working, that you're interested in flexible, uh, fl flexible hours, if that's something that's, you know, of, of interest to you. And I also want to say on the employer side, um, it's inaccurate to believe that older workers are really expensive because it's true. It's, it's the healthcare uh, benefits that usually raise the costs and the salaries. But if you speak to older workers, you will find out that they're willing to take a reduction in salary to be covered from a, from with health benefits. Oh, that's so, interesting. And, and, and again, I want to make the point that, you know, there's other costs you need to consider. So there's a lot less absenteeism. They're more loyal. They'll stay with you for much longer. Um, so it's not as it's not as clear cut as a lot of people think it is. So I would say, like, you really need to rethink that issue of older employees being expensive. And that's why we have to push them out. Um, I think that's inaccurate. Older employees don't necessarily want the same work contract that they've had so it's worth having a conversation. And, and I think what this what this hour and a half has taught me is that there's still so much work to do in this country. It's taught me that too. It's also taught me that we need to have you back on the program. You are very interesting and know so much about this and are really good at communicating this, uh, Jillian. So thank you very much for giving us uh, your time this afternoon. And I hope that we can do this again. I hope so. And Ian, do not retire. Okay, well, that's really nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Jillian Leithman is the founder of Rewire to Retire and an adjunct professor at Concordia University where she teaches leadership development and she spoke to us this afternoon from Montreal. That's it for Checkup in 60 this week. You've been listening to highlights from Cross Country Checkups Live broadcast on CBC Radio 1 from April 30th, 2023. You can listen to our full two-hour version by streaming it on the CBC Listen app. You can always email us, checkup at cbc.ca. On Facebook, find us by searching for Checkup CBC. Thanks to everyone who helped this week. Our phone screeners are Chuck Molga, Mackenzie Rebello, and Hannah Abrahamzi. Our TV team is Caleb Isaac, Rachel DeGasperis, Frankie Fiorini, Brendan Sylvia, Vivian Ming, and Richard Grundy. Technical production and editing from Tim Lorimer and Matthias Wolfson. Our program assistant is Kiata Greco. Cross Country Checkup was produced this week by Abby Plenner, Steve Howard, and Kate Helmore. Our digital producer is Paul Hanschuk. Senior producer is Richard Goddard, and I'm Ian Hanamansing in Vancouver. The next edition of Checkup in 60, our coronation special, will be posted after the live show next Sunday. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.